there comes a moment when my heart must stand alone on this lonely path I've chosen like a house that's not a home Good evening and welcome to Thinking Out Loud podcast. Thinking Out Loud, shaping your destiny. I'm your host, Babuluki Moseki. And um, we are back again with our discussion. Um, this is season seven. We are looking at masculinity and femininity. And um, as we have already uh, set the foundation, we are discussing this from a biblical uh, point of view. And... Um, I want to apologize for bringing this episode two days later. Um, I was down with sickness and therefore I could not do any recording on Monday um, or do any work on Monday really. Um, I was down with sickness but now I'm much better and I can get back to the mic and engage um, our minds on this issue of womanhood and manhood, humanity basically femininity and masculinity in the background is one voice children's choir i believe On tonight's episode, we'll be looking at the complementarity of um, femininity and masculinity, how men and women complement each other. And we're not just talking about this in the 
context of marriage. We are talking about it in a general context. In the context of humanity, um, remember that when we did define masculinity, when we did define femininity, we, we, we said that um, this is an action or a reaction of one to the other um, in their differing relations with the other gender i mean males with females and females with males so it's not only about in the context of marriage we are looking at it in a general context how we can complement each other as human beings whether you are brother and sister um, father and daughter um, mother and son you know husband and wife um, so forth and so on so that's what we are looking at and that's the context of this discussion i want to begin with the words of a famous uh, clinical psychologist dr jordan b peterson um and he said quote i quote a culture that isn't predicated on the belief that men and women are made in the image of god is doomed to absolute catastrophe close quote so here we see a way read we hear that if we build up a culture that does not acknowledge that men and women are made in god's image then there's nothing but catastrophe that can come out of that um, framework that can come out of that philosophy and recently um, we have seen an influx in um, no women and and men in their different groups um, seeing stuff about each other uh, trying to show how the other ones are weaker the other ones are, are toxic and so forth and so on basically saying that no masculinity is all toxic and all that and then on the other hand you have those who are saying no femini femininity is all toxic so this is a result of a culture that does not believe that men and women are made in the image of god because if we believe that men and women are made in the image of god then the way we treat each other as men and women will be quite different the difference will be we'll treat each other with dignity and, and with respect will acknowledge our differences and see them not as differences but as things that complement us. We, we, we will see them as things that make us better uh, to fit in and to function uh, well and to leave a positive impact in the world that we live in. But because the belief that men and women are, not, are made in the image of God is not there, um, is held only by a few, we have all these sorts of problems. And the, the only way we can solve these problems is when we acknowledge that men and women are made in the image of God and act accordingly.
men and women um, as god created them are different in many ways this we have already established and one helpful way to describe our equality and difference is this a picture the so-called weaknesses and strengths of men um, listed in two columns okay so you have men or male you have strengths and then you have weaknesses and then you list them all the way side by side you know strength weakness strength weakness you go down and then you also do the same for women you know um, you have another column or you have two column uh, two other columns um, that now are dedicated to women or to the female you have the strengths and weaknesses so if you could give a numerical value to each one the sum at the bottom of both columns uh, both pairs of columns that is for men and for women is going to be the same and whatever different minuses and pluses are on each side of masculinity and femininity they are going to balance out and when you take those two columns from each side and lay them on top of each other mesh them as it were so that um, you know one is exactly directly on top of another you will see that god intends them to be perfect to be the perfect complement of each other so that when life is considered you know not just married life as i did say um the weaknesses of manhood are not weaknesses and the weaknesses of womanhood are not weaknesses they are the complements that call forth different strengths in each other so that's how we see it if you were to to go ahead and make those two pairs of columns you know and then list the weaknesses and strengths of men weaknesses and strengths of women that's how it will be like when you put them mesh them together you see that actually what is considered as a weakness in men is not really a weakness but god designed it to be so so that the woman can complement the man on that which is deemed as weakness on the man and what you see as a weakness in women is not really a weakness but god designed it so so that the man can complement the woman in that area so when we see life that way we approach life that way then we will have solved a whole lot of problems when you look at god's original plan um let's just consider god's original plan for a, for a moment here this is how it is i mean in, in summary you know sinless man full of love in his tender strong leadership in relation to woman and sinless woman full of love in her joyful responsive support for men's leadership as aspect number 1 number 2 no belittling from the men and no graveling from the woman two intelligent humble god intrained beings living out in beautiful harmony their unique and different responsibilities this is god's original plan in two points in two points that summarize basically god's original plan now sin has distorted this purpose at every level 
and um, this actually now you know gives uh, reasons why we have for example uh, feminine feminism and, 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 and all the other um, offshoot ideologies that that, that result from um, what is centered around femininity and also masculinity we'll discuss all these things you know um, even the 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 the, the, the Erenia's version of masculinity will actually discuss it in the future. But I just wanted to lay the foundation first from the Bible to show us that from the beginning things were in a certain way. Much different from how we see them now. Um, and, and, and it's not like the so-called weaknesses are what make us weak. But there are things that you know God designed so that we can complement compliment each other on those things. And if it is true that manhood and womanhood are to complement rather than duplicate each other, and if it is true that the way God made us is good, then we should be very slow to gather a list of typical male weaknesses or a list of typical female weaknesses and draw a conclusion that either is of less value than the other. Now, there are people who actually, you know, I've met guys who say, you know, you know, women are this and that, and then they, they say it in a, in a derogatory manner, as if women are dumb and, and, and women are, are, are all sorts of negative and incapable um, and, 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 and mediocre or less than average or average, you know, um, and not uh, good enough. So that's the the challenge that is there it it comes from drawing up a list you know drawing up a list of the weaknesses of womanhood say because of this you know uh, women i mean women are not uh, yeah that's how people you know functioning also i've met some women who like you see men are like this and that they draw out all the so-called or typical weaknesses of men and say well men are just a nuisance we really don't need them i mean wish that you know they could all disappear even if maybe for a month or a day even if for it's for a moment so that you can all breathe as women i've had some of those uh, some of those sentiments from people that um, i relate with people that i hang around with people that um, i have interacted with so what we need to understand is that men and women are of equal value and dignity in the eyes of God. Both of them were created in the image of God and yet utterly unique in the universe. Equal but unique. Now, I will talk about the complementary aspect of men and women um, in the home no husband and wife and then i move on to another um, society that god has created besides the family which is the church and then last we look at um the whole nation you know outside the church outside the church remember that for both the church and the nation or the society at large the building blocks are families 
the building blocks are families and the building blocks of families are individuals which can be male or which are male and female which are male and female yes so in the home when a husband leads like christ and their wife responds like the bride of christ there is a harmony and mutuality that is more beautiful and more satisfying than any pattern of marriage created by men. Let me repeat that. In the home, when a husband lives like Christ and a wife responds like the bride of Christ, there is a harmony and mutuality that is more beautiful and more satisfying than any pattern of marriage created by men. A biblical headship for the husband is the divine calling to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, uh, protection, and provision in the home. Remember these three aspects that before um, masculinity, uh, leadership, protection, and provision. Um, and the, the kind of leadership here that uh, is biblical is what is called Christ-like servant leadership. Christ-like servant leadership. It's not the dictatorship kind of leadership. That's not Christ-like at all. And then biblical submission for the wife is the divine calling. Again, I'm going to repeat this. Headship and submission, masculinity and femininity are a calling. Both of them, they are a divine calling. Biblical submission for the wife is a divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts now helping to carry it through is what you call nurturing remember when you did talk about the aspects of femininity mature femininity there is that aspect of nurturing so she will nurture it according to her gifts nurture what her husband's leadership she will honor and affirm her husband's leadership and nurture it through um according to her gifts Now that we have talked about the home, the home cycle, the home institution, let us now move to the church, another institution. The second institution, um, the principle still applies, the same principle that you see there. Now, the same is true for God's design for the leadership of the church. The realities of headship and submission in marriage have their counterparts in the church. Um, Paul speaks of authority and submission in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 11 and, and verse 12. Uh, so he, he speaks of that. And um, authority here um, refers to the divine calling of spiritual gifted men to take primary responsibility as elders or shepherds or pastors for Christ-like servant leadership and teaching in the church. And submission 
refers to the divine calling of the rest of the church, both men and women, to honor and affirm the leadership and the teaching of the elders or pastors or shepherds or overseers or bishops and to be equipped by them for the various ministries available to men and women in the service of Christ. Okay, I'm going to repeat those statements again um, just to make sure that you know, um, it gets through. When Paul talks about authority and submission in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, verse 12, we're using the same principle that we used in the family. You know, um, in the family, remember that it's male and female. Now, in the church, of course, you have males and then you have females. But not all the males will be in the leadership position, leadership position of um, an overseer or of a, a, a shepherd or what you call a bishop or an elder or a pastor. Not all of the males will be in there. But what we see is that it's singularly a male office. It's a male office. It's a, an office that is reserved for the male human being, for the masculine human being. Remember that masculinity is a calling. So this is also a calling. It's an office reserved for men who have, of course, certain qualifications according to um, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, but we're not going to that one. I think we'll have another time for that. What I wanted to make clear is that in the church, we have males and females who now act the part of submission and in their submission, <clears throat> what you see here is that this submission is also a divine calling to honor and affirm the leadership, number one, and the teaching, number two, of the elders. So they honor and affirm the leadership and teaching of the elders. These are both men and women who are actually honoring and affirming the leadership of the leadership and teaching of the elders. And secondly, to be equipped by them, by the elders, for the various ministries available to men and women in the service of Christ. Now, when you look at it, um, this is the way of joy, really. I mean, <clears throat> nothing tops this. For God loves his people and he loves his glory, basically. And therefore, when you follow his idea of marriage, remember the family, we are most satisfied and he's most glorified. And if we follow his idea of marriage, it means that you'll also follow his idea of governance, in the church or ecclesiastical governance because we cherish this idea of, 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 of marriage Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 to verse 24 a man leaving his mother and father and living to his wife one man one woman the two becoming one 
the mayor being the the, 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 the leader, the servant leader, and the wife being the one who submits, who nurtures the leadership of the husband. So if you follow that, then when you get to the church institution, we will not be confused as to, oh, hey, who, who should be a pastor? Which gender should we pick to have our past, a pastor among us or an elder among us? It will not even be something that is confusing because it's straight away. You take it from the marriage um, the marriage uh, uh, blueprint and then you just apply it there. Use that, just use that motif from the family. If we are to put a finger on one devastating scene today, it will not be the so-called feminist movement, but lack of spiritual leadership by men at home and in the church. Yes, we'll talk about feminism, uh, feminist movement um, in the future, still in this, in this, in this, in this season. Satan has achieved an amazing tactical victory by disseminating the notion that the summons for male leadership is born of pride and fallenness, when in fact pride is precisely what prevents spiritual leadership. The spiritual aimlessness and weakness and lethargy and loss of nerve among men is the major issue, not the upsurge of interest in women's ministries. That's not the real problem. The real problem is that the man has allowed himself to to lose hold or to lose a, a sense to lose a sense of responsibility to his divine calling to lead to provide and to protect lead in the way that Christ led a seventh leadership style now let's talk about I did say that we're going to talk about three institutions the last institution and then we close the episode the last institution is the society at large Yes, there are people who are found in families, but they don't go to church. Um, and then, of course, in the community, you have those who are church and those who are not churched. They all make up the community. So, what we see at home sets a tone and an atmosphere for the society. So if things are done right at home, men take up their responsibility at home, women take up their responsibility at home, and for, for those um, who are blessed enough, they even have another institution that they belong to, which is the church. They follow the same principle. And, and I want to focus more on those now who have been blessed enough to, um, to be uh, part of a church. If they do that faithfully, it will even shape the outlook of the society. I know right now we are in this season of um, you know, gender-based violence, activism against that, um, or maybe it ended, but it's just around this time. 
of the year, um, November, December. It's just that ar around this time of the year. And we will have less social ills when men assume their role, their divine role or their God-given role, which is servant leadership, provision and protection. They will protect women regardless of how they relate to them, whether it's their wife or their daughter or just some random sister there in the street. They'll protect them. But because they are not doing their work, because they are not awake to their responsibility, they are not perpetuating, they are the perpetrators of violence against women. And the same can be said for women. There are things that they are doing to men that result from the fact that they are not aware of what their responsibility is as women to all men. So, friends, when you talk about femininity, when you talk about masculinity, we are talking about humanity. And only when you've broken down humanity into these two, these real uh, groupings, these real categories, and we go into each category and see what it really means to belong to that category. And, and, and we also sense or we become aware of who created those categories. And after finding out who created the categories, we, we, we look at how does the one who created the categories want these categories to function? How does the creator of humanity want humanity to function? Again, I will close with the words of Jordan B. Peterson. I think that they will make more sense because we've discussed all these things, the home, the church, and the society at large. A culture that isn't predicated on the belief that men and women were made or are made in the image of God is doomed to absolute catastrophe. So friends, let's educate ourselves and be real with ourselves and acknowledge that we are made in God's image we, are, we were made or we were created for a purpose and find out what that find out what that purpose is and how in our individuality both as males and females we are to carry out that purpose of our creation. How we are to relate to one another, basically. And play our part in this journey of life and in human history. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, next up, uh, or next episode, rather, the next episode, which will be uh, next week, will actually be talking about the rise of feminism. Thank you. And God bless you. Think out loud, shaping your destiny.
Prayer so often proved in vain. 